Welcome back to another episode of Public Health Hazard. My name is Katherine Phillips and I am the host of this show. Today we are going to be talking about the social and behavioral effects of coronavirus and how we are going to go back to normal. I think this is an important topic to talk about because a lot of people don't really think about the social and behavioral effects of their health. They're very concerned about physical health and the symptoms of a disease, but social and behavioral effects of your health are very much controlled by society and culture and political environment around you. So since coronavirus has really impacted us socially, culturally, and politically, I think it's important to address those issues and also understand how they will impact how we can go back to normal. Before lockdown and quarantine, we could go out without limits or fear. There was really no restrictions on where we can go. We can go to concerts, restaurants, the bars, the beach, and there's no limit on the number of people that we can gather with. We also were so used to working in an office and having that morning commute. The morning commute became part of our daily routine. We knew how much time it took to get to work and come home from work and the mode of transportation to get there, whether it was a bus, a train, or your car. So this change in working from home is definitely not the normal and really switched up a lot of people's daily routines. We also went to school in person, which was probably the biggest change for a lot of students since there are a lot of children and college-age students still in school during the school year when quarantine happened. So what's our new normal? How is this going to change? Social distancing in public places is still being used. When we go to the grocery store or we go to any sort of open space or open establishment, we still have to follow the six feet apart guidelines. There's also a limit on the number of people who can gather together, one of them being churches. You can only have about 50 people at a time in a church. Restaurants are the same. They only have about 50% capacity and a lot of concerts are canceled and social events are limited and some are canceled as well. And weddings and funerals are also limited to a certain number of guests. Most states have implemented wearing a mask as mandatory to conduct business. There are certain states like Colorado that have made it an executive order to allow businesses to decide whether or not to allow guests to wear a mask at their establishment, but I think it's only a matter of time before every state makes this a requirement because of the recent spike in number of cases. We are also working from home more. There hasn't really been any announcements of employees going back to work. There have even been companies like Twitter who have allowed their employees to work from home for the remainder of the year and even into 2021. So that has really changed their business model. But this could be for the better. It could really make it more cost-effective for these businesses to operate. And in this slowed economic time, it could save them money. 
homeschool and hybrid school are also considered to be the future of schooling. It's hard to say whether school will be back in session in the fall. A lot of schools are still formulating a plan to get back in session and the procedures in which they'll do so, but right now a lot of schools have thought of a hybrid type approach where classes with labs would meet on campus and then classes that can be done online will continue to be done so. It's hard to say whether or not elementary schools and middle schools and high schools will continue to be at the online level, but for universities who do have a lot of these different types of classes that require labs and studio work, it's definitely an essential to get back to school. And I think that these universities and schools should really consider this before they create their guidelines because being at school and in person for certain classes is really more beneficial than doing something online. Another concern is that there will be a new stay-at-home order if there is a possible resurgence of cases. It's been speculated that there might be more cases in the month of October and November and that we have to repeat this stay-at-home order process again where we're expected to stay home and everything moves online. So schools have anticipated this by saying they'll go back on campus in the fall, but then come October, November, everything will be moved to online. And also telehealth services have become more popular for primary care visits. Hospitals are still used for coronavirus patients, but in the meantime, primary care visits and even specialist visits are still conducted using telehealth services. So this is something that we can expect in the future, and I think it's something that's very beneficial to the healthcare field. It allows people to have more access to healthcare when they are in a rural area or not readily living by a hospital or healthcare facility. It makes it more convenient and saves time and also saves money as well. So I think this changes for the better, and I really hope that insurance companies and doctors are using these services and offering them to their patients. So I want to talk about more of these social and behavioral changes that we've seen. I just talked about kind of the new normal and what was normal before, but I think keeping those changes in mind will help us understand how we have socially changed and behaviorally changed. So one thing that we can look at from a behavioral standpoint is mask compliance. We've seen a lot of people who haven't been wearing their mask lately, even though there's orders in place to wear a mask. Now, we have to keep in mind that it's still a recommendation by the CDC in some areas. So unless there is a executive order put in place or an ordinance in a city or even by an establishment that you have to wear a mask, it's really your personal preference whether you want to wear a mask. I think some people have decided not to wear a mask because they're just tired of wearing it. It's uncomfortable. They have said, I've worn it for too long. This should be not used anymore. We have to get back to normal and they're so eager to get back to normal. So that could be one reason why they're behaving this way and not wanting to wear the mask. They also believe that it doesn't work. Early in the coronavirus pandemic, the World Health Organization recommended that only those who are sick should wear the mask to prevent those who are healthy from getting the virus. So to me, from a public health perspective, having everyone, whether sick or healthy, wear it was an interesting recommendation. And at first, it really didn't make sense to me because the way I thought of it was that it's almost like wearing a raincoat outside if it's raining in hopes that someone else won't get rained on. 
And that's the theory behind everyone wearing a mask. It's stated that if you're wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask, we're protecting each other because we won't be at risk for transmitting the droplets to each other. And as the pandemic has gone on, the mode of transmission and what we know about how coronavirus is transmitted has also changed. Earlier in the pandemic, the World Health Organization and the CDC found evidence that the droplets of coronavirus were too heavy to remain in the air and therefore ended up on surfaces. So if you touch something that someone sneezed on or coughed on because those droplets from the air travel to an object, then you could be at higher risk or even at the same risk as being near someone who just sneezed on you or coughed on you. So now when I was reading into how coronavirus is transmitted, the CDC and the World Health Organization say that it's only through the air, so that's why we still have to wear these masks. I think wearing a mask is good in the situations where it's required. When wearing a mask is optional, I personally take the option to social distance and wash my hands. I know it's a personal choice in that instance, and a lot of people decide to wear the mask, but I decide to follow other methods of prevention that are also recommended by the CDC and the World Health Organization. In light of the new evidence that droplets are transmitted through the air, the CDC recommends wearing a cloth face covering in public settings where social distancing measures are difficult to maintain, such as a grocery store or a pharmacy, especially significant community-based transmission. The World Health Organization also recommends that there have been studies of influenza and influenza-like illness and human coronavirus, but not COVID-19, that provide evidence that the use of medical masks can prevent the spread of infectious droplets from symptomatic infected person to someone who could have potential contamination of the environment by these droplets. But they also say there's limited evidence that wearing a medical mask by the healthy individual and households, in particular those who share a house with a sick person or among attendees of a mass gathering, may be beneficial as a measure for preventing transmission. So to me, it's interesting that these two, who are seen as experts in the world, are giving these different recommendations. Whatever recommendations were given are based on the information that we had at the time, and also it is still up to personal preference unless it is required. Social distancing is another behavioral change that we have seen because of coronavirus. Young people in particular have been found to break social distancing orders and they want to get together without following these recommendations. They've been found to go out to the parks and beaches together in groups and not sit six feet apart. I think because of being apart for so long, and especially generations like millennials and Generation Z, who value getting together in social situations and friendships and relationships, and who were always getting together at restaurants for brunch or going out, having experiences together, like on a hike, they want to have this sense of freedom and do these activities again after being inside for most of the spring especially since the weather's getting nicer, and that changes your behavior. You want to get outside and enjoy the nice weather, but when you're stuck inside, 
and you're not able to do so, it really changes your behavior and could even make you defiant. The economy reopening has also changed our behaviors. As the economy reopens, cases have risen. We've gone out, we have broken social distancing, maybe haven't worn a mask, we are going to restaurants and bars, and going to other establishments that have been open, but unemployment rate still is at 13.3%. And many worry if they will ever find a job after being laid off and they're struggling to pay their bills. So if they are struggling to pay their bills, why would they go out shopping or go to a restaurant to help stimulate the economy? And as we've seen recently, as cases have increased, the economy has gone down and stores have been closing, restaurants have closed, and it's really reversed all the work of reopening the economy that has been built. People are eager to get back to work, and it's our livelihood. And one of the behavioral effects of coronavirus that we did see were those protesters in Michigan in April who wanted to get back to work and were demonstrating about going back to work. It showed that they valued their livelihood and wanted to make a living and provide for themselves despite the threat of coronavirus. But since coronavirus has put so many people out of work, especially the healthy, it's had more of an effect on people's lives than actually getting physically sick. People can't work and struggle to pay bills and are at risk for being evicted from their homes. So of course they're going to behave in such a way that they protest and want to go back to work and don't want to wear a mask, don't want to comply, don't want to social distance anymore because they want their lives to go back to normal. So I want to talk about travel and how we've changed our traveling habits. So if you ever traveled before coronavirus, you know that it had become very inexpensive to get tickets. There were these cheap round-trip tickets to fly internationally, and going domestically was even cheaper, so it made it easy to go on a weekend getaway to visit friends and family, and the airline industry was booming for years. It, it was at the highest it had become, and then suddenly coronavirus hit, and travel restrictions were put on the country. No one could come in or out, and no one was leaving their house or traveling day to day, especially professional travelers who would travel for work, which probably made up most of the travelers that you saw. So that really made the airlines take a big hit. But while travel is still happening, it's at a limited capacity. I recently traveled to Florida and I saw for myself how airlines and airports are functioning during this time. There are travel bans that still exist between the U.S. and foreign countries, so when I was at the airport, you didn't see a lot of people because most of airports are filled with international arrivals, and I was in Denver, which is a big international airport hub, so I didn't see nearly as many international arrivals as before therefore making it less busy than I was used to. And being at the airport has really become different than it was before. Before it was so busy, you really had to get there two hours before your flight, or you could risk being lost in this mob of people and late for your flight, but now it's easy to get through security and easy to navigate the airport because there's less crowds around. Now in airports, you do have to wear a mask. Some airports actually require it, when I was in Denver airport, it was a requirement, but when I made it to Florida, 
in the airport, it was optional. Another change has been wearing a mask on the plane. Now, there's a couple pros and cons to this that I found when I was traveling. One of the pros is that it keeps everyone protected and safe from coronavirus and gives everyone that security that in such a small confined space of a airplane where they can't social distance, they are able to protect themselves against coronavirus. But one of the cons I found was you're just having it on for so long. My flight was only about three hours long, so that wasn't too bad, and the face covering I had made was homemade, so I thought it was a little bit more comfortable than a medical mask. But I can only imagine what it's like flying cross-country from New York to LA, where it's five, six hours. And most flights now also are not non-stop. It's hard to find a non-stop flight. Most of them have multiple stops. So if you're flying on multiple airlines and for multiple hours and you are interchanging between airports that require a mask, then suddenly you're spending eight hours a day wearing the mask. Now, I did notice there have been more flights available and there actually were more flights being sold out. So it showed that people are kind of getting back into traveling and, it, and their behaviors have been changing. So they're really willing to go and travel and that states have opened back up and the economies have opened back up and they're fairly confident that they will be safe and healthy once they get there. Now, there have been restrictions in some states. So in New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, you have to stay in isolation for 14 days once you get there. So I don't expect a lot of people to travel to those states. I personally wouldn't travel to one of those states because it would make my trip very unenjoyable. I'd be spending most of the time indoors, away from others, and alone. So that's kind of the downside of traveling in that aspect. Another thing that I have been seeing is that airlines are losing money and also with a new spike in cases. So every time new cases are found of coronavirus, no one's going to want to go travel and states may close their economies again to control the cases depending on how many arise. But still, people are getting out there and booking tickets and I think now that it's summer, people will still go out. I wouldn't be surprised if travel continues on and people continue to do it during this time. Right now, because of all the changes that have been made in our society, our behaviors have really changed. And socially, we've also changed. We've changed how we interact with others, who we see, how we see them, Everything's been moved online and we've used technology, video conferencing, phones, emails to communicate with each other. It's really shown how technology has evolved over time and how we are utilizing it to communicate with others. But it's also shown that when we don't have those connections with each other in person, it can take a toll on our health. We feel alone and isolated and we crave that human interaction. So being online and seeing someone just isn't the same. So that's why we change our behaviors. And that's why we are more inclined to be defiant. So will this be our new normal? Will people continue to defy orders and continue to be non-compliant in the name of maintaining those social connections? I think it's only a matter of time before we see that. Our behaviors also are driven by our health and what we know is good for our health. We want to be near others and we want to interact with them. So our behaviors are going to follow suit. And 
our behavioral health is interesting to analyze because we are able to see patterns in how people interact with each other. I think from all of this, we can't only look at the physical symptoms of coronavirus and how that's affected people. We have to look at social and behavioral aspects of our health and see that as a big picture of who we are and what we've been doing. Our new normal is going to change. We are going to have to live with these restrictions and we don't know how states will react and what guidelines governors will put in place. And agreeing or disagreeing with these guidelines is what shapes our behavior and ultimately could shape our health. Like this episode of Public Health Hazard? Follow us on Twitter at HazardPod and never miss the release of a new episode. Send us your health topics on Twitter and they could be featured on the show. Catch up anytime on Anchor at anchor.fm slash HazardPod or where you stream podcasts.